Welcome to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. Counting down movies, music, TV, and pop culture. One top five at a time. And now, here are the two peas. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome into another episode of Two Peas. As always, thank you so much for joining us yet again. And this is Gerald with you, one of the peas. The other pea on the pod I'm excited to have back is an actual friend of mine. We've met in person. He's been on the show a few times as well. And we just recently got together and did live stream for The Cure for him last month. Uh, well, it's been about a month and a half now, but so excited to meet that guy. And he's one of my favorite people in the podcast game as well. You know him from the Epic Film Guys, and he's back on Two Peas. Everyone say hello to Nick, Mr. Nick Haskins. Nick, how are you, man? It's true. We touched each other, ladies and gentlemen. We absolutely did. We did. And that and that wasn't even for a live stream. That was just... Yeah, that was just, that was no. just because, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you know I love you, man. I mean, I, I made the trek up there to New York, to not only to be a part of that great event of yours and of Epic Film Guys, but just to meet you, because... You've always been one of the biggest supporters of the peas. I can remember back in the day, like maybe four years ago, when you oh, were man, like, "I hate this show." Ugh. You were helping Ugh. me. Well, you're a supporter. You know, I didn't say you were a listener. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> but I mean, I can remember back when I first started, man. When I was like, you know, doing it in my fucking dining room, and you were like helping me with with different, uh, you know, inputs and like audacity levels and like all this kind of shit. You were one of the first people to really kind of reach your hand out to help me. So. It's just a thrill to get back together with you to chat, even if it is here on the show for a top five list. But I, I kind of had you in mind for this one, Nick, because the countdown is kind of interesting. And it's something that I thought of. You know, usually my guests will come up with topics, but I kind of thought of this because, you know, the Academy Awards and just Hollywood in general kind of have this thing where they have this uh, reputation where they like love movies about themselves. Yeah. You know? so yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, that's fair to say, right? I mean, they, they eat that shit up, you know. So we're gonna. What are we counting now? What's the countdown tonight, Nick? Uh, the top five movies about movies. Movies about movies. I thought this would be cool, and it kind of popped in my head because we just did music movies recently. So movies about music we did with Pete from Podstalgic, and that was a lot of fun. So this one kind of it kind of made me think of this because there are a few that are going to fall in my top five tonight that are, are, are a few of my all-time favorite movies across any genre. So I know you just made your list recently when you were coming up with it. How broad of a topic was this for you, or did you stick very specific to the brief? Like, how was it coming up with this? Well, I didn't want to stray too far from the brief, but also this is a genre that... Now, when you asked me if I could do a top five, fine. I could I can come up with five movies, mostly in any category that I've probably seen. If you wanted mm-hmm. ten from me, no. 
<laughs> really? In, in this category, you mean? Without broadening it out, without making it way, way more broad. So I've got a couple of honorable mentions that I'll, I'll mention down toward the end or if they pop up on your list, which I'm sure one of them probably. But, mm-hmm. you know, just I couldn't I, I tried to stay narrow. I, t- I stayed a little bit more narrow. But, yeah, this is not I mean, well, with any with really, I just don't watch a lot of stuff like it just seems you, you think epic film guys. I was going to say you're an epic anything. film guy literally uh, well that's not true even I, after I, five years of doing this show and, and and podcasting and all this stuff you'd think i would have like caught up with a whole bunch no no i'm busy yeah. watching chuck norris movies because <laughs> why not that, i just heard that episode actually and i haven't seen that one and uh your disdain for it kind of makes me want to see it because i usually love what you hate you know I mean, and vice versa it so. is the dumbest 80s action movie of all time so <laughs> yeah it sounds uh super xenophobic if nothing else yeah, so. well it's that for sure <laughs> but yeah we're talking about invade was it invasion, invasion usa, USA. Right? yeah invasion usa with mr chuck norris who literally the bad is... guys are a melting pot of every kind of nationality that isn't like white in america <laughs> wow yeah go back and listen to that epic film guys actually go back and listen to all of canon quarantine they got a great thing going over there during the it's been really pand- fun. A lot of those it have has been really been. fun. It has been. It has been. And what I'll do, I guess I'm doing it backwards though, Nick, but I didn't, I can't remember if I told you this when I came up there last month, but what I'll do is I'll listen to your episode because I listen to you guys every Friday and I'll, I'll listen to your episode and then I'll go watch the movie Friday night. So I think I'm doing it backwards. <laughs> I think I should watch the movie and then listen. I think it's, but it, it depends though because you can kind of take, I mean, you, you take yourself into a movie every time you, you go into a movie, but especially with some movies, like it's great to hear the enthusiasm that we attack some movies with, right. and then it's great to hear the disdain that we attack other movies with, and then you kind of go into it with that mindset, like that kind of a little bit of, see, I mean, they're canon movies. I mean, it's not like sure. you're saddling up sure. for like something super intellectual, like I got to study this thing. I got to get in here. You, you got to, Justin's a big fan of saying you got to shut your brain off. You can't mm-hmm. even, you can't even shut mm-hmm. it off. You got to detach it, take it out of your head and throw Throw it in the garbage can when you're watching half of these movies. Uh, you know, watch it asleep. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, you. Uh, like, yeah, it's even even the good ones, even the ones that we love, are not good. Right. right Probably, right. if if we were a show that cared about objective versus subjective, we wouldn't. They're probably not objectively good, but we don't care. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. No, I get that. I mean, it, it is kind of cool to do it that way, though, because then when I watch the movie, it, it brings up like you guys commenting on certain scenes and I'll be like, oh, this is the scene they were talking yeah. about. So I do kind of like doing it the way that I'm doing it, because like you said, with canon, it's not like you're getting it for any kind of cinematic value or like, you know, yeah. and we do these ones for easy too. good time, you know? Yeah, we do these ones like not like we would do a normal review of a of a film you saw in a the theater. Like if you go to a movie theater and see a movie, we were not coming home and doing, you know, a whole plot run through. Right, but with these right. canon movies, like there are these movies, a lot of them are harder to find. A lot of them are movies nobody's ever heard of and don't really care about. So we get into them more and, and we definitely tear them up a little more and we definitely expose a, a, a lot more of them to the audience just in that way if, if you're at least curious enough you will at least you know go out there and check it out but you know we kind of attack them a little bit different we kind of we probably give them more analysis than some we've given even like good quote-unquote yeah. movies like you know well it's great too because i mean i can just tell you guys are having a good time you know and that, that's, sometimes that's all it's about too yeah, really. And sometimes with the new cinema, it's almost like it's your job to review it because that's the yep. show that you do. But when you get to dive into something as kind of niche as, as canon, it's you guys are just having a blast with it. So yeah. I've been having a blast. I mean, it's it's sad. We've talked about it on the show, too, but I've had a blast doing not 
the normal kind of thing. Like we started the yeah. Canon series. We've been leaning hard on things that are celebrating anniversaries this year. Yeah, I just sure. I'll... sat down with Brad from cinema guys and we talked about Waterworld for 45 minutes. Most wow. of which, most of which was just me asking logical questions about a movie that you can't ask a single logical question about. Cause as soon <laughs> as you do the whole thing just collapses in on itself. Like, Say yeah. a submersible that goes too deep in the ocean and is crushed by the water pressure. <laughs> <laughs> right. I haven't seen that one in a long time. I kind of stayed away from it after seeing it initially. Um, and I'm a Costner fan, too. But So, guys, check out the Epic Film Guys. Obviously, their info is going to be in the show notes. If you know us, you probably know them. Uh, we've been great podcast friends for many years. But check them out. And right now, they are doing an awesome thing called the Canon Quarantine Series. So, please check that out if you're into it. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. So we're going to be counting in our top five movies about movies. I think we've done our intro, Nick. So as you are the guest here, I'm going to let you go first and, and give us the top five. Um, I'm just going to leave it at movies about movies. I'm not going to turn it into anything else. So yeah, what do you got? probably easier to, you know, not get too, too deep crazy, into it right. like that. So my number five, and this admittedly is a film that I have not seen in a while, but I know I watched it probably five or six times back when it came out. And it is a, a little a Paul Thomas Anderson film called Boogie Nights. I know you've seen this. Mm, it's coming up on yeah, my list. Yeah, it's probably what uh, I figured. Yeah, but uh, just, Is this the one you were talking about that you thought we would cross over? No, no, no. Oh, I, I, okay. think, I think the one, I think you'll have one of my honorable mentions on your list. Uh, this one, I wasn't sure where you where you landed on it and where you, uh, where you really felt, felt about it. But, I mean, it's Marky Mark. I mean, the cast list, including, like, <laughs> right. Julianne Moore, William H. Macy, Heather Graham, Don Cheadle, uh, Luis Guzman. I mean, it's got an amazing, amazing cast. And, I mean, it's about porn movies. We didn't mm -hmm. specify that it couldn't be about porn movies. We did movies. not. That's right. So, yeah. yeah, it's all about Marky Mark as Dirk Diggler. You know, and his uh, his his rise in the in the porn industry in it's in the seventies. Yeah, it's set in the seventies. So, yeah, it takes place over really a couple decades. It, it right, means, yeah. it, it merges into the nineteen eighties, which is one of the things I love about it. And I'll hold that for my when it comes around to me. But it is going to be on my list as well. And I absolutely love this movie. Yeah, I feel like I feel like you put it on here for the the closing shot though with the with the dick. Absolutely. Right? Well, okay, the only I, thing I think about I, when I think about that movie is just that <laughs> giant that was long, like, just like flump. <laughs> There it is. You're like, well, that's you're like, well, that's got to be on my list. Mm, get some oh, of that, man. All right, well, there you go. Boogie Nights, a little crossover to get us started, but hey, that's fine. It, it, when me and Nick crossover, guys, then I think 2020 is going to improve. So if we have, I don't know, Nick, if we're crossing over here, man, maybe things are coming. If, there, if one of mine is not on your list, focus. I will hit you. I will well, drive I got, North Carolina I, and I will hit you. <laughs> well, I have something to say about that. I think I know which one you're talking about, but I'm going to explain myself. Don't you worry. Uh, you're on the peas, brother. So. <laughs> All right. Y'all so y'all just hit that unsubscribe button now. Just <laughs> always love it. I have guests on and they dissuade people from continuing to listen. <laughs> oh man. All right. So, I mean, you know this about me, but I love horror movies, right? No, you know that I did a horror segment for a live stream actually, when You're I was up kidding. there with you last. So I have to sneak horror in here and this is a super meta project that Wes Craven did, who's one of the horror masters, man. And this came out in 94, but it was uh, called Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which is uh, basically the seventh in the series of Nightmare on Elm Street films. 
But it take. Have you seen this, by the way? <laughs> Come on. I assume. I assume. Have you seen? You've seen like the original Nightmare, no? Or have you? Probably once, okay. maybe. I don't know. My listen. Right. Most of my frame of reference for a Nightmare on Elm Street is the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror, where it's groundskeeper yeah, Willie. Yeah, I remember you mentioning that. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much. If I mean, most of my horror like references, I connect back to it through Simpsons Treehouse of Horror stuff. Well, okay. So, what new night? What Wes Craven does with the new nightmare is very similar to kind of what he did with Scream a couple years later, which was also a film of his. But it's meta in the way that it's poking fun at kind of the horror tropes and the horror genre, while also paying homage to it. And he is one of the kind of founding fathers for the modern day horror film. So he's kind of doing that to himself, uh, poking fun at himself and kind of being very, very self-aware in that way. He's actually in the movie portraying himself. He's one of the directors that's hearing a pitch for a horror movie in the film. Uh, Robert England, who plays Freddy Krueger in the Nightmare series, is in the film as Robert England, and also later in the film as the Freddy character. So it's very meta in that way because there are these uh, icons kind of in Hollywood with their nightmare, you know, resume. But this movie kind of uh, subplot is going on at the same time. And it's like this demonic figure that kind of takes over the fictional Freddy character to actually become um, a killer. And that's so it's kind of like a movie within a movie. And it's done uh, very it's very smart. It's a very smart film. And it's a really funny film, too. So. You know, someone that doesn't, like yourself, that's not necessarily into the Freddy movies are obviously going to kind of be lost with it. But if you have a knowledge of Nightmare on Elm Street, this is a very meta and a very, uh, it's just a great homage to Wes Craven and to Nightmare on Elm Street and really to horror movies, particularly from the 80s and 90s. So Wes Craven's New Nightmare is my number five. I'm not surprised that you haven't yeah, seen I that mean, one. I, yeah. I, I was hoping you'd seen the original. And we I maybe- probably have at some, like I said, I, I, I really don't know when it comes to horror movies, especially older horror stuff. It's super, super hit or miss for me. Like I, I, you, I think the only Friday, the 13th movie I've ever seen is Jason X. And I don't even know why I've seen that one. <laughs> Classic. Don't I even know. Jason X. I love Jason for some of the kills. Probably great kills in Jason X. Sure. All right, man. So new, new night. <laughs> so new nightmare is my five, and that swings us over to you for your number four, buddy. All right. Well, Gerald, my number four is. I actually, I would expect this might be on your list, maybe in your fleshed out top ten when you get to your honorables or whatever. But this mm-hmm. is a movie about a dude that's disguised as a dude that's playing another dude. Mm-hmm. It's Tropic Thunder, baby. I know who I am. I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. What? You a dude that don't know what duty he is. Or are you a dude who has no idea what dude he is and claims to know what dude he is? What the fuck are you guys talking about? I playing other dudes. I know what dude I am. You're scared. I scared. Scared of what? We're scared of who? Scared of who? Come on, guys. We really need to go. Scared of you. I mean, yeah, some honorables. Mm-hmm. I, I had to figure that, that this would come up for you a lot. Every two years, somebody tries to cancel this movie because they don't mm-hmm. get that Robert Downey Jr. in blackface is criticizing the whole aspect of it and how bad right, right. it's like depicted in the movie. Like it's that way for a reason. Uh, but right. yeah, you've got Ben Stiller directing and also starring in the movie. Tom Cruise, one of the greatest Tom Cruise, like one off performances of yeah. all time. Robert Downey Jr., yeah. of course, Jack Black. I mean, it's a great, 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 great movie where they inadvertently just kind of get caught up fighting an actual war as this crew <laughs> right. that's making a, that's making a war movie. And I love movies like this, especially that they really, really, really 
take the piss out of Hollywood, like big time. Yeah. That's yeah. one of the things I think I love about this movie more than anything. A lot of the other stuff coming up on my list, while some of it is a little way and some of it's not, but this one especially, this movie 100% is all designed to just straight take the piss out of Hollywood, and that's why I love it. Yeah, I, I was going to say that that's kind of what it does is it kind of just says, you know, fuck you, Hollywood. But it's also about, you know, making a movie. Yeah. But uh, it's funny that you mentioned the Tom Cruise thing because uh, he has kind of a small part in here, but it's so memorable. And I'm talking about from his career. Yeah. Uh, one of his most memorable performances. And he's on screen for maybe five minutes. Yeah. Uh, as, as Les Grossman. But <laughs> um, I had Wayne from The Countdown on and we did our Tom Cruise movies, our top five Tom Cruise movies. And uh, Wayne had that in his top five. And I told the story on that episode, but I used to get compared to Les Grossman when I was overweight. <laughs> I was fat and I was balding and I had glasses and they were really thick because I'm basically blind. Were you really uh, so intense used, and shouted at people a lot too? I listened to rap music a lot, you know, so people used to <laughs> compare me to Les Grossman, you know. <laughs> oh my. You, you met me. I'm not Les Grossman now, right? I've, I've, I've moved on from that. Just a little bit. A little bit. Okay, just just a smidge. Just a little. All right, so just Tropic Thunder's your four, man. Good pick. It's in my honorable mentions. Now, here's one at my number four that I would almost guarantee is on your list. So I'm interested because I know that you do love this movie. So even if it's not, we'll have a good comment uh, commentary back and forth about it. But it's from 2016. It's Damien Chazelle's La La Land, which I keep mentioning on my show. And I apologize to regular listeners because it keeps coming up on top five lists. But it does fit in this category, I feel like. So that's my number four. And I know you love this one, too. Is it coming up for you? Nope. <laughs> wow, it's not. Okay. Nope. And you know what? It's it's it, this one for me. And, and I tried. This is kind of one of those things that falls victim to. I'm trying to stay more hardline mm, like okay. movies about movies or like there's a there's a specific like uh, a huge subplot about or like the main plot is even about movies within movies and stuff like that i get it la la land for me i thought about that too i love it you know i adore that movie but yeah this would this one would fall through on honorable for me because of that yeah i get that and i thought about that too and i've got another one coming up later that is kind of in the same vein as this one because if you're saying movie about movie this is more so movie about the craft of movies or the history of movies or even Hollywood even. Um, And there's another one that I'm going to mention later. That's almost exactly the same in terms of how it's connected to movies. But, but I justified it because of, I mean, first of all, it's a lot because it's your list, baby. That's why. Well, that's that too. Yeah. But I mean, Emma Stone is an actress who's trying to make it, who eventually does make it. So kind of centered on her figure or on her character, at least I feel like you could easily say it's about, you know movies and then la la land of course is is what everybody that's in, that's acting or that's in acting is aspiring to i mean whether they admit it or not that's what their goal is is to get to la la land and make it big um you know they're not doing this for you know like in her case to be a barista do you know what i mean so yep uh that's kind of where i went with it and i i thought i didn't know how hard line you were going to be but i thought if you thought of this one that it would definitely be on your list yeah I know you that's love the it. only reason it would fall down for me is and i think i know what movie you're talking about too that's all uh, in the same vein as this also mm-hmm. in my honorables for the same reason but yeah it's, it's just because it's not like her character is an actress and that is an important subplot to like her character arc in the movie but to me i wanted it to be a little bit more about actual like production on screen or like i said at least there was the movie my number my number two when i get to it like a lot of people are going to kind of cock their heads and be like wait but you said but we'll get there (laughs) it's your list baby like you said it's your list you know what i mean 
All right, so my four is La La Land. At least we are in agreement there, so that's good. Uh, we both like it. Oh, I love what, that movie. Mm. I do too, man. Uh, vibrant colors. I love Chazelle. I love his style the music of music in that movie. Still, like uh, I, I will put on the 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 final. What is it? Like seven or eight minutes from that movie. Just that score. Just that amazing score. That that piano. Just oh man kills me every time i love it also love the ending of that movie i don't know where you land on the ending of that movie but i, I like adore it. it i i do too Perfect i do too ending and to that um, movie. i've had a couple guests on and like i said this movie keeps coming up lately and it's really just kind of by coincidence to be honest but it's kept fitting on a different list that i've been doing yeah. um and then last year i did musicals i did like music movies and it was on my list but my guest was not a fan of it and the reason he didn't like it is because he basically said the movie ruined itself in the last 10 minutes. And I mean, Ooh. I disagree. And I know a lot of people makes like Julio it. from the, the Contrarians doesn't like the ending. So I get it. I mean, I know it's a divisive thing, but I I, I love the ending. And I know Dan does, yeah. too. Last 10 minutes makes the movie for me. Makes it yeah. 100%. Same here. But I could see how it could be a make it or break it ending, yeah. though, at, at the same time. You know what I mean? But it works for me. I love it. So it's one of my favorite movies to come out of the last decade. Yep. In fact, I want to say it was in my top five of the decade, if I'm remembering correctly. But yeah, La La Land is my number four. And we're up to our number threes. Nick, what do you got, buddy? I mean... I'm going to dust off the, the trusty EFG soundboard, and then you'll mm -hmm. know exactly what it is, Gerald. You got to tear me apart, Lisa. Come on, baby. Wow. At it, three. It, well, at you'll, three. you'll find out. You'll see. But okay. it is, of I'm course. I'm going to let you. Go ahead. It is, of course, a disaster artist from 2017. Mm -hmm. um, this was my number one film of that year. Even when I revisited the year and when I rewatched a bunch of movies and when I went through this stayed at my number one of the year um i there's there is a, a a love and an affection for movies that was imbued in this that franco and and the whole team that made that movie imbued in it like yes it's easy to watch the room and call it the worst movie of all time and yes it's easy to watch it and make fun of it but i think and not to speak too much for justin and loisas but I love the movie specifically, and I think for them too, and I think a lot of people that love The Room so much is because you can tell that there is at mm -hmm. least some heart to it. Yes, oh, yeah. Tommy Wiseau does not know how to make a movie or write dialogue or act or literally any of it. All of that's <laughs> true, and The Room is, objectively speaking, a terrible movie. I still adore it, and I was concerned when going into The D Disaster Artist that it was just going to be a movie making fun of The Room. I wasn't interested in that. Of course, it has its little bits of fun, but there's a mm. genuine heart that transposes, I think, over from The Room into The Disaster Artist. There's a genuine heart, like you genuinely care about Tommy and Greg's relationship as characters mm. in the film. You definitely like understand the passion that Tommy has, even though he is ill-equipped completely to do it, to be a, a filmmaker and to make movies and to be part of this industry. Franco gave an amazing performance in that film. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love, love, love that movie. But yeah, no, there's there's two other ones coming up. Another one that also hit a number one of the year for me, if that's a little tease for okay. anybody. Right. But, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's such a great movie. It's such a wonderful movie. And if you can take something no and, and then the other thing about it the other reason why i would say that it makes my list gerald is the the remade shots like the reshoots and stuff like that or yeah, the, yeah. the the remade scenes and stuff they painstakingly attempted to recreate so much of the room for that movie and they did beyond phenomenal some some shots the blocking is like absolutely perfect the mm -hmm. delivery is perfect i mean like I can't even fathom how many times they must have had to 
watch the room and like study it <laughs> right, and like take right. screenshots of it and like se- just the amount of work that must have taken. So just yeah, disaster artist is my number three. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm in agreement with you. It's in my honorable mentions. This is the one that when I was texting with you the other day that I said I thought I knew your number one. This is what I thought it would be. Wow. I uh, once I, I just, tell I you my number one, you'll understand why this is not it. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, you know, but we kind of talked about this too, and I'm actually about to mention it when I give you my number three, that there are two very similar figures in Hollywood and talking about Tommy Wiseau and the, the gentleman I'm about to mention. Yep. But it's just fascinating to me that, you know, a person like Tommy, who, like you said, really has no talent when it comes to movies, uh, can be revered in such a way and be studied in such a way, even by Franco and the team for the disaster artists, even. I mean, even if you just want to use that one project and how much they put into it to, uh, you know, tell that story to a new generation, if you will, and retell it to people that maybe knew of it before. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they didn't have to do, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, there's so many more well known or even, um, you know, kind of would tell a better story even, you know, or it would be easier to tell the story. But they dove into this, man, and they did, like you said, they did all the research. And it's just fascinating to me uh, because Tommy's passion Mm -hmm. for movies is really, you know, what the room was all about and what the disaster artist ends up being all about as well, I I think. Yep. So, yeah, I love this pick, man. It's an honorable mention. So, uh, good job. That means I know what your number three is for sure then. Because I well, knew, yeah, looking at movies for this category, I knew this movie would be on your list because I know you adore it. Yeah, I do. And it actually came up when we, when the last time you were on the show. Yep. I don't know if you remember, but we did black and white films. Yep. And it came up on that list, too. So I apologize. <laughs> we're rehashing some of that. <laughs> I keep having you on for uh, when Ed Wood comes up. Yep. But Tim, Bur- Tim Burton's Ed Wood is my number three. And no, and- I still have not seen it. You still have not seen it, but uh, I, remind me: Are you a fan of Tim Burton films, typically, or no? I mean, I know you like Batman, but otherwise, sometimes. Okay. Sometimes, I mean, it depends on the Burton that you're getting. Like we all saw Dumbo last year. Oh God, no! This is nowhere. Yeah, Dumbo was a piece cow. of shit. I yeah. mean, you know, yeah. I just I I don't think his heart was in that material. Even definitely nobody mm-hmm. was in that material performance wise, except for Keaton, who had the the time of his <laughs> right. life but right yeah right. no i mean I, some some burton films are pretty good uh you know but I've, i'm also i've got some blank spots in his filmography too that people would probably crucify me for mm-hmm. not having seen yet but that's true of every filmmaker every genre everything period well ed wood is interesting and i can't remember if i told you the backstory on that previous episode but what's interesting and why i connected to, or still connect to this movie so much is yes, I do love Burton. So I, I've always been a fan of Tim Burton from obviously, you know, the Batman days and movies like Edward Scissorhands that came before this. Like I love really his whole catalog up until maybe Big Fish, which I want to say was early 2000s. And then after that, there's been some hit and misses like Dumbo was obviously a miss, <laughs> uh, you know, and some other stuff. But generally speaking, I'm a big fan of Tim Burton. He's one of my favorite filmmakers. So that is the first connection. But in 1994, when I saw Ed Wood, What's always fascinating to me as a a movie lover or a watcher of movies is when I'm introduced to an historical figure or event that I didn't know anything about prior to seeing the movie. Yeah. Does that does that like it introduces me to something that has gone over my head and I've just never known about it. And that's what happened with Ed Wood and I through the movie, I mean, and I was introduced to him and not only him but Martin Landau uh, portrays Bella Lugosi. And, you know, when I started really getting into horror movies was in the early 90s when I graduated high school. 
And that was one of the first characters that really fascinated me was Bela Lugosi. And, yeah. and his just he's just a pillar in the horror community, you know what I oh, mean? Yeah. And uh, from the old monster movies and such. And their relationship is beautiful. Their friendship, their kind of mentor-mentee relationship. It's quirky. It's funny. It's dark. Uh, Johnny Depp gives almost a impersonation caricature of Ed Wood, but he does it in a very sensitive and loving way. Uh, you know, because Ed Wood was also a crossdresser, and he was just a weird dude, man. Like he just had a lot of. <laughs> he was just a strange, strange guy. And uh, Johnny Depp really embodied that, and he really took that on. And I thought he did an amazing job at it. Martin Landau won the Academy Award for his portrayal of Bela Lugosi in this film. Uh, but yeah, it's amazing, man. I mean, if you, you know, if you're the kind of person which it sounds like you are, where you're like, you know, Burton's hit or miss, I would be hard pressed to say that Ed Wood would be a miss for you. I would say give it a shot. Uh, and I think you would be you would like it too because of the Tommy Wiseau thing because Ed Wood's very similar. Uh, where I mean he's he was horrible. Like I mean he was fucking horrible. Like you know he was like using shit around his apartment from his garbage can to film this you know Plan Nine from outer space. Yep. And it's fascinating to me that it was such a piece of shit, but yet it's still studied today. Like people study it in college. Like it's just crazy to me. You yep. know what I mean? It's like. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they do study the That's room. That's what we call failing area, upwards, Gerald. Right, right, right. So, you know, because of that connection, too, and I know you love uh, Tommy's background as well, maybe give Ed Wood a shot. But that's my number three, Tim Burton's Ed Wood. And we are up to our runner-ups, Nick. How you feel, man? You looking good over there? What do you got for number two? Uh, so this is a film that was my number one film of 2015. When mm. I saw this movie, I was just utterly and completely blown away. Now, the main plot of the film has nothing to do with actual movies or anything like that. So it's just the, the side plot in this movie. And I'm talking about me and Earl and the dying girl. Have you ever seen this one, Gerald? You know what? I haven't. This is a blind spot for me. It's actually on my watch list. This is one I know. Uh, shout out to Paul from the countdown because I know he absolutely adored this movie as well when he saw it. But so basically this is about, you know, a guy named Greg and his friend Earl and uh, this girl, Rachel, who basically his mom kind of makes him start hanging out with her because she has been diagnosed with cancer and it's kind of about their relationship like their intertwining relationship it's got some uh really like great like kind of one-off cast members as well john barenthal's in it nick offerman's in it molly shannon's mm -hmm. in it um but the the reason why it fits the criteria for this list is the whole subplot of this movie is greg and earl spend most of their time and have for like their whole lives making these really cheap, really cheesy knockoff uh, remakes of Hollywood movies for no budget, literally no budget that are like a couple of minutes long. Mm -hmm. And you know, they're, they're so sweet and they're so charming. Like they all have like, I, I can't, and I, I just haven't seen it in long enough to not remember any of the actual titles, but they're all these just different, swings on any kind of classic movie you can possibly think of where they're actually reenacting it in like the cheesiest silliest way possible but it's so charming and it's so endearing and it kind of has that love of movies kind of thing like the way that i love movies like if i was going to remake a movie like i have no budget like it would look like garbage like it would look like somebody with <laughs> <Right>. a box <laughs> wrapped around them or, or like whatever like i wouldn't be able to put any kind of money into an actual production to make anything look good that's the kind of level that it speaks to me on of like that film fan who just has an absolute adoration of movies and just wants to do something even though it's the silliest Right. stupidest thing it's a really touching movie it rips my heart out every time i watch it i absolutely adore it it's a great movie just for the like the characters and just for the plot itself but mm -hmm. 
if you're a fan of movies, yeah. then it has that whole other subtext to it where literally that's their whole friendship. Greg and Noel's whole friendship is just predicated upon the two of them getting together and just making these silly, no budge movies. And it's great. It's absolutely great. I, but yeah, I need to see this one, man. It's, it's on my watch list on Prime, actually. And it's one that I've, it's just, it's kept like just passing me by but i need to check it out and now especially that it has nick stamp of approval i got to get on it it is like i said this was my number one of 2015 even over fury road which i still i adore fury road fury road's an incredible movie yeah but sure. this one really really just punches you straight in the heart it's a tear <laughs> it's it a really tearjerker right it it's is a tearjerker yeah, it does yeah okay all right, well, don't spoil it for me then, because I like crying, so I'll just leave that for me. All right, so uh, that was yours. I, I like that one, man. I'm going to check it out. So my number two, you already mentioned, is Boogie Nights. Ah. So there we go. There we go. Uh, so penis shot at the end aside, the other things I love about this movie Besides are, the tits. <laughs> and the boobies and Roller Girl, absolutely. Uh, Heather Graham, man. Oh, man. I mean, you already mentioned the acting, but I mean, Burt Reynolds, who, uh, you know, some could argue was possibly on the decline of his career in his career and then comes along in this role and I mean, just absolutely nails it, bro. Yeah. Uh, he he was nominated for Academy Award. I, I apologize. I'm not sure. I can't remember if he won or not, but he may have. This is the best work we've ever done. I mean, it's a real film, Jack. It feels good. You made it fly. You know, this is a film I want them to remember me by. But P.T. Anderson, I'm, I'm kind of a sucker for his movies. I, I love all of his stuff. This is my favorite film of his. He's done some really, uh, really good ones, too, yeah. Yeah, he has. And we kind of touched on it when you mentioned it earlier, but the only thing I'll say to add to what you spoke about already is I love how, uh, and we touched on it earlier, but I love how it starts... It's this really happy kind of like free love, 1970s, like, you know, everybody's doing porn movies and everybody's, you know, having having sex and doing, you know, everything's everything's great. You know what I mean? And as it transitions and as the years kind of build on these folks and it transitions into the 1980s and it turns into a very different film, it becomes very dark. Yeah. Um, and it's it's not happy. The last like hour of the movie. Lots of coke. Uh, you know, lots of coke, a lot of heavy stuff happening. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite scenes, man, is that scene with Alfred Molina when they go over to his house. He's like this prominent drug dealer. Uh, and Mark Warburg and his his two buddies go over there with him. And the little kid's setting off firecrackers. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, He's yeah. Throwing the little pop rockets while Jesse's girl's playing in the background. This guy's all coked out in his underwear and shit. <laughs> Alfred Molina, you know. And he ends up blowing his friend away, yep. uh, Thomas Jane. Um but yeah, it's just a great movie with a lot of, there's a lot of tense scenes like that built throughout it, but they're paced really well, I feel like, because this is a longer film. I mean, I want to say it's pushing two and a half hours. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the acting's great. P.T. Anderson's directing's great. The music is phenomenal, man. 70s and 80s uh, all over this soundtrack, and I love it. Burt Reynolds gives possibly the performance of his career in this movie. Uh, definitely one of them. So Boogie Nights, we cross over there. That's my runner-up. So that's our second mention of Booyah. of the move the movie about making porn movies, which is another list we could do at some point for sure. Uh, God, oh, I'm going to start researching that now. <laughs> oh man! All right, so our number ones, Nick. I don't. I got to tell you right now. Uh, I don't think a couple things. I don't think you know which one I was talking about because I don't think you're a fan of 
the gentleman's film that I put at number one. I don't think I could be wrong. I'm curious, um, very curious. But I'll let you go first, man. What's your What's your number one movie about movies? Well, it should come as no surprise to anyone, Gerald. I can't believe you didn't think that this film would be my number one. It is literally one of the greatest films ever made and i say that in spite of the fact that it has that broadway medley sequence that's like 20 minutes of nonsense it is 1952 singing in the goddamn rain gerald i'm singing in the rain just singing in the rain what a glorious feel and i'm happy again I'm laughing at clouds so dark up above. The sun's in my heart and I'm ready for love. Let the stormy clouds chase everyone from the place. Come on with the rain, I've a smile on my face. Oh, that's him honorables. You're right. You ah, gotta shit. be kidding me, man. I mean, this is no, yeah, I mean, this yeah. this is as about movies as it possibly can get about the transition from the silent era into talkies and you know, Gene Hagen as Lena Lamont. I can't stand him. Oh, I love her voice in that movie. Mm-hmm, it's so mm-hmm. great. And Debbie Reynolds. Oh, oh yeah, classic. Absolutely amazing. I mean, you've got the dancing, you've got the singing, but it's like the entire plot is about that transition from silent films into into talkies and i just i adore this movie so much except for that broadway medley portion that whole like 15 minutes can just get chucked out of the movie and it wouldn't miss anything <laughs> well you know, <laughs> right. well this is obviously a classic man and we, i was talking about the musical musicals episode we did prior and it came up it had a lot of conversation on that episode I didn't think about it for this. You know, my thing, Nick, I'll come clean. I think you know this about me. I don't know how many of the listeners might know, but I'm not a huge fan of musicals. Get out. Like, I know. I mean, every once in a while, uh, like La La Land, for example, uh, I don't know. I mean, we've talked about Wizard of Oz before I love, and I would I would categorize that as a musical. But generally speaking, I mean, I can count on one hand the amount of musicals that I would like rewatch frequently. Yeah. You know what I mean? I do love Singing in the Rain, though, and I do think it is an uh, iconic and pivotal film. Well, the great thing about uh, it is is not just that it's a musical, but it's also hilarious. It's got like the scene when when they're first trying to to mic up the characters and like the, the like the like Lena Lamont keeps swinging her head away from the microphone, so her voice gets really really far away from the microphone, and then she mm-hmm. comes back and like all that kind of stuff. Like it's hilarious. It, this is another movie, kind of like Tropic Thunder, where. It's taken the piss out of Hollywood in in some ways. And, you know, you're talking 1950s Hollywood, but there's definitely some piss being taken out of Hollywood and everything as well. It's got so many different layers to it. And like I said, just the amazing music and everything else. I mean, you can't even just forget it. Just yeah. forget no, it's great, it. Man. It's a classic, brother. And it's funny, too, because I often make the comparison with La La Land that it's borrowing a lot from Singing in the Rain and American in Paris and those types of you know, old school musicals that were very vibrant and colorful. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I can I can see a lot of hints of that in Chazelle's picture. And I do love that one so much. So it makes sense um, that I would be a fan of a film like Singing in the Rain as a, as opposed to just kind of some random musical. Do you know what I mean? Yep. So but I do love this one and it is an honorable mention. So don't be too, too mad at me. Um, but I am a fan of that film. So Singing in the Rain <laughs> is your number one. Now, my number one is much different, brother. So uh, I don't think you would guess it. I don't. Let me just ask you, okay? And then and then I'll give my little spiel without spoiling it in the event that you have not seen it. 
Are you a fan of David Lynch? I've probably seen one David Lynch movie, if that. Is it, I, is I have it, no frame of reference it, for him whatsoever. <laughs> is it Mulholland Drive? No, I've never seen saw? it. That's my number one. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm uh, sorry, I, 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 honestly, if you threw if you threw a bunch of stuff in this filmography at me, I probably couldn't name. I couldn't. I couldn't tell you I've seen any of it. Like I've never seen Twin Peaks. I know he did the Twin Peaks mm-hmm. thing, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like any any movies, like yep yep shrug. I have no frame of reference. Well, he's a weird dude, man. Uh, we were talking about Ed Wood earlier. Uh, David Lynch is like the modern day Ed Wood. I mean, he's he's a freaky son of a bitch. But Mulholland Drive is his masterpiece, and this guy's been around making movies since the '60s, bro. I mean, he's yeah. he's an old man, old man. I mean, he's been doing it for a long time. Eraserhead, I want to say, came out maybe in 1970, 69 or 70, yep. and that was like his first film. But which I also love. But Mulholland Drive is a, an ode and an homage to old Hollywood, but it takes place in present day. Well, I mean, when it came out, which was 2001. Mm-hmm. So the general plot, I won't give away too many spoilers because there are a lot of kind of mindfuck plot twists built into the movie that I won't spoil on this episode. But uh, this uh, prominent actress is in the limousine coming home from a party or whatever. And to make a long story short, and this is the very beginning of the movie, she gets into a car accident or they get into a car accident, her driver, and they run off the road and whatever is a head-on collision. And she stumbles out of the car. She survives. She stumbles out of the car. She's bleeding. And she goes walking down Mulholland Drive, which is a prominent, you know, in the Hollywood Hills, uh, a very famous road in the Hollywood Hills. And she kind of stumbles into this uh, kind of like condo complex or whatever. Yeah. And her name's Rita. And she stumbles in there and she ends up meeting Naomi Watts. And Naomi Watts' character is named Betty. And she has just arrived in Hollywood with dreams of being a big actress. But Rita, who was in the car accident, has amnesia. She or she doesn't remember what happened to her. She doesn't remember any her Ooh. life prior to the car accident. So what happens is they form this very um, unique bond to investigate who she is and where you know where she lives, who her friends and family are. So Betty is her only person that's kind of helping her figure out that mystery, mm-hmm. and they're doing it all around this area of Hollywood. And throughout the course of the film, they also gain uh, a romantic bond. So they become kind of like a couple. I mean, lesbian couple, basically, is the easiest way to put it. Mm -hmm. I wonder where you were going. Mulholland Drive. Mulholland Drive. That's where I was going. Mulholland Drive. Maybe that's where the accident was. There must be a police report we could call. No, we could call anonymously from a payphone just to see if there was an accident. Come on, it'll be just like in the movies. We'll pretend to be someone else. I want to walk around anyway. I'm in Hollywood and I haven't even seen any of it. Come on, Rita, do you feel up to it? And then there's a plot twist that comes in later that I don't want to give away, but it's very, it, you don't see it coming, especially the first time you see it. And I've seen it many, many times. I just got the Criterion Blu-ray. And when I rewatched it, I didn't even see it. It's like David Lynch does this really cool thing where it's fresh every time. I mean, this is his masterpiece, man. And, you know, he's definitely a love it or hate it kind of filmmaker. But I, there's a lot of people that would, or not a lot of people that would refute that he's one of the greats. Uh, I mean, he's just been around for such a long time and has such a keen eye for just doing his thing. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, he's not following any kind of uh, recipe. You know, he's just making the movie that he wants to make. And nine times out of ten is fucking weird. Uh, <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> but Mulholland Drive, now it comes with its... 
shades of weirdness, but it is it is probably the most tame of his pictures for like a general audience. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it does it does tell a pretty uh, formulaic story where it kind of keeps the same narrative uh, with some nice plot twists built in at the end. And uh, by the way, uh, my favorite jump scare. And this is not a horror movie, mind you. This is just kind of like a Hollywood drama. But my favorite jump scare from any movie comes from a Holland Drive. So the first time you watch it, I wonder if I wonder if it'll get you. But it got me, and it still does. It so probably Mulholland will because I won't. I won't be. I won't be waiting for it. It's like I still like at the end of Citizen Kane when that damn rooster comes out. Like it still gets me even now because I'm just like ah because it's just the most jarring thing uh, it, mm-hmm. to be in a movie like that ever. <laughs> <laughs> right uh but i think you would like Mulholland drive man i gotta be honest like i i know i know we tend to hate on each other in terms of movies that we that we love from back in the day but this is 2001 so it's not too too old yeah. uh it's got justin Theroux in there i don't know if you're a fan of his uh a really interesting cameo in this movie too is billy ray cyrus is in it <laughs> he plays one of the guys that one of the wives is, is having an affair with billy ray cyrus he's got his mullet and everything i mean so for 2001 i mean that's just that's just playing to the numbers right there <laughs> It's perfect, man. Yep. So David Lynch's Mulholland Drive is my number one. Uh, I assume that's not what you would have guessed, right? No, that's not what I would have guessed at all. But I didn't remember exactly how you felt about the movie or how exactly you would have tried to justify squeezing it into your list. Because you know. Yeah, it's, this is the one that was kind of along the lines of La La Land, where it's really about two actresses. Right, yeah. Um, but when you watch the movie, you'll see Justin Thoreau plays a director in the film. Uh, and you'll see, I mean, there's... A ton of scenes on his movie sets where he's actually making the movie that Rita's starring in. Right. Um, so there is movie making going on uh, in the movie. And then the two actresses are obviously the centered figures in the film and their relationship and the investigation and everything. So uh, it's kind of like a it's kind of like a mystery drama, but it really kind of pays homage to that old Hollywood while taking place in a modern setting. So nice. I love Mulholland Drive and I recommend it to anyone who has not seen it. I'm actually going to be discussing it for our Patreon series in two days. Uh, my buddy Brandon from the Rick and Morty podcast is also a big fan of it and he's coming on with me. We're going to do a retrospective of Mulholland Drive. So I'm looking forward to that. Nice. So, uh, yeah, it's my number one movie about movies. Nick, what do you think, man? That was it. So I, I, I would want to shout out the fans online, Nick. But before I do that, you know, I know you said you had a few honorable mentions over there. Just so what did what didn't crack your top five, buddy? So there's another movie that literally you could read the plot synopsis for Singing in the Rain. And it sounds almost like another movie that came out in 2011 uh, that won an Academy Award for Best Picture. And I know you know it. It's The Artist. Yeah, my wife mentioned this. Literally one. This is one of hers. exactly the same plot as Singing in the Rain. It's about the transition from silent films to talkies. It's a great movie. I loved it, but it was just like, I can't put both this and Singing in the Rain on the same list because they are, I mean, one's not a musical, like it's not a musical, but they are ostensibly the same movie. <laughs> right. Can I ask you real quick? Yeah, sure. Yeah, the same. I get it. But can I ask you a quick question before you go into your other yeah, yeah, ones? Yeah. What did you think that the artist... Yeah, my wife gets on me about this, but I asked I've asked her this when it's come up a few times because she loves that movie. But do you feel like that was a gimmick in any way, the silent movie thing? I don't think it was a gimmick. Do- I think it was I think it was passionately made. I think it was something that they okay. that they right. really wanted to pay homage to that black and white silent era of Hollywood. Um, do I think it was way, way, way overblown at the time? Yes. <laughs> right. I mean, I think it's yeah. a good movie. I, well, they, it's a very good Hol- movie, but it was like literally like 
when when they were campaigning like that Oscar season, like I still remember that like it got rammed down everybody's throat super hard. It was like the greatest yeah. thing anybody had ever seen ever. And no, it's not. It's it's good. I mean, I really liked yeah, it. I mean, but- I, yeah, I mean, I liked it too. I just I remember the time, and I haven't revisited it truthfully since I saw it that first time. Yeah. You know seven or eight years ago but i think that I was a lot the, of that was that oscar campaign and just that oscar season like film twitter wasn't around back in 2011 or at least not the way it is today <laughs> but that would have been the film twitter movie oh my God. of 2011 yes. like literally everybody oh. like if you even posted that you were you were like a seven out of ten or an eight out of ten they would have been like attacking in droves that you weren't worshiping right. at its altar right you know right and i guess that's the thing for me is that i just didn't think it was like groundbreaking you yeah know i mean like i liked I, it it wasn't but... meant to be because it was meant to be an homage to silent films right, <laughs> you know it wasn't right. meant to be groundbreaking it wasn't supposed to be at all <laughs> right right but what you know the academy i mean that's kind of what we led with is that they love they movies love, about that especially you know, so. if you go back to that golden age of hollywood you know when sure oh yeah they love sure. it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see you, man. So the, I'm glad the artist got a little mention, though, because like I said, that's yeah. def, that, that was my wife's pick when I told her what we were counting down tonight. So what, what else you got over there, man? So I, another one that would be more in line with the way that you kind of put your list together. I would be surprised if this didn't pop up in your honorables. It would be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, it's on there, man. Ostensibly, you know, Leo is an actor in it and Brad Pitt's a stuntman. And it has a lot, mm-hmm. a lot, a lot, a lot to do with filmmaking especially back in the late 60s and everything in hollywood like and it's definitely a a huge love letter from tarantino to that era of hollywood but i left it off where he grew up and where he grew up too yeah he had his personal connection to it it just it it just for me it wasn't it, it, it just I wanted to be more hard on the criteria than than you were this that I expected it honestly to make your list because I know you were a lot higher on it than I was as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the only other one I'll put in here, which is also uh, which is also Tarantino is Inglorious Bastards. Now, I saw this pop up when I was doing research. I saw this pop up on lists about movies mm-hmm. about and I guess it qualifies because of uh, Frederick Zoller's film in in the film, the film within the right. film. Like, I mean, I guess it qualifies because of that. But like, to me, that's such a little like you could take that part. You could change that about the movie and it becomes it's still the same movie. You know, it could be like, oh, we're going to have a a, a German whatever thing, a festival instead, like a German corn festival. I don't even know. I'm just throwing words out at random, (laughs) you know, and Uh, the old the old German corn. Yeah, this is this is the greatest, you know, (laughs) corn grower in Germany or whatever, you know, like, yeah, I thought about that, too. And I think it got a couple fan shout outs and it's a great movie. I I, adore it. It's it's probably my my favorite Tarantino movie. But same here. mm -mm. That's what I was going to say. It's my favorite QT film, but I just don't see it being yeah. about movies that's, I feel that's like, my thing it's like if you take yeah. the movie aspect out of it or change it to something else it's still the same movie they're still trying to find a way to you know right. blow up and destroy all the nazis if they're not doing it at a movie premiere then they'd be doing it at uh, you know i don't know like the, uh, a play concert or if he was a musician or whatever like, like it, it doesn't matter like you can change that aspect of it and it and the film is you know just exactly the same and that's right. why i couldn't justify it in the list and i want to give just a little bit of love for a film i know everybody hates except for me i'm the oh, only one that likes okay. it gerald it's huh. movie 43 everybody hates it what everybody hates it seen this everybody it? hates it it's 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 a movie it's all these it's basically <laughs> why a series, do you love it so much? it's a series of vignettes and they're really absurd the first vignette has hugh jackman with literal balls hanging from his face <laughs> It's dumb as fuck. It's so stupid. 
It's so stupid. Oh my god! But How it, could you not love that? It's essentially it's Hollywood. It's a bunch of small vignettes. Oh, I think one of them is Chris Pratt and Anna Faris talking about scat. Like so, this is fairly recent, then I guess two thousands huh? somewhere in the two thousands or whatever. It's wow, reviled. I've never even heard of this. Everybody utterly and completely hates it except for me. I laughed my tits off watching this movie. It has Holly Berry stirring like a like a oh, big bowl man. of queso dip or something with her tit. Like, <laughs> but it's it's another one of those things. Uh, like it's this screenwriter. It's the screenwriter oh, like pitching Jesus. all these different movie ideas. And yeah. it's, it's Hollywood taking the piss out of itself. Like, that's what I got out of it. But people fucking hate wow. it. I do not understand the <laughs> utter and complete hatred for this movie. I was in that theater. I about passed out laughing because some of it I mean, is it's so, tr- it's so stupid and absurd, though. It's cracking me up. Like I said, Hugh Jackman <laughs> has much. testicles on his face. Literally. Yeah. Like, if right you, there, give him the Oscar. If you sit down for that movie, you have to buy into it. I'm going to see something that's ridiculous and absurd. You can't go into it and be like, boy, this isn't the serious dramatic work I thought it was going to be you know like as soon wow. as that happens you have to be like okay i'm taking this ride you know that's crazy man i didn't even look that up that you i don't know going there for a second i thought i was going to stop recording for a minute with hugh jackman with the balls and stirring the seriously tip the queso and all that. i'd be interested wow. to see the you know i'd be interested for people to revisit <laughs> it and give it another chance like i watched right. it the first time i watched it i could not not all the vignettes are as good as some of the others and some of them go on for a little bit too long like it's not like it's the greatest movie ever but i just laughed my ass off i was like this is this is so fucking absurd you can't help but laugh at it i just i'm an absurd wow. guy though so maybe it's because of my sensibilities i don't know but movie 43 huh? yeah all right I, okay hey. well listen you, you mentioned all of mine except for one but i'll just run through them real quick my number six would have been the disaster artist yep my number seven would have been tropic thunder my number eight would have been once upon a time in hollywood uh, i feel like i feel like that's the one tarantino that you could you could say you could justify I mean, that one yeah, I mean, at a minimum, you could say it's about Hollywood, but I mean, there's there's scenes on the set and Bruce Lee's in it and making a movie and the whole thing. Yeah, uh, my number nine would have been Singing in the Rain, and then my number ten is the one that you didn't mention that I don't think a lot of people know of it, but it came out in 1994, which is when I graduated high school, so I was pretty impressionable that time. But it stars the POS Kevin Spacey, so that might be why oh. it's not as well received. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a movie called Swimming with Sharks. It was one of his early earlier films. Uh, Have you ever seen this? No, I haven't. So he plays a really just like asshole Hollywood producer. Shocking. And uh, Frank Whaley plays his new assistant. And he, Kevin Spacey's character, uh, Buddy in the film, kind of like a Harvey Weinstein-esque type character or what we would think of, you know, this uh. And he is just an absolute just asshole to this kid, like pours hot coffee in his lap and like, you know, just ridicules him in front of everyone. I mean, you know, anything you could think of. Right. Yeah. And anyway, the film kind of spirals into this really dark, demented uh, story because his assistant guy, the kid that he's been terrorizing for two thirds of the film, ends up kind of holding him hostage in his own home. Damn. And, and and literally tortures him, like physically tortures him, does stuff to him while he's like tied up in his living room and shit. So it like he breaks, basically. He basically snaps because of the way his boss has been treating him for X number of weeks or whatever. Jesus. So it's called Swimming with Sharks. And uh, it, it's an interesting watch, man. I mean, it, it's funny. It's mean spirited. And then it just turns really fucking dark in the last like 30, <laughs> 30 minutes of the movie. And also people might like to see Kevin Spacey get tortured right now. So that might there be another go. reason to kind of check it out. Uh, but yeah, that'd be my number 10. All right, Nick. So you know what we do, man? 
the suggestion box, right? That's how we wrap up the episode. We shout out some of the fans online What's that had suggestions. What's in the box? What's in the box? I didn't want to we'll do see. it the Brad Pitt way. No, I refuse. Mm. You're not the you boss. You sang it. You sang it. That was cute. It's true. You sang it. Mm-hmm. So our buddy Dan, our mutual friend that was there on site with us for live stream for The Cure, has got one that I'm surprised we didn't mention, to be honest, but it's a recent one. Dolomite is my name. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, shit, I have seen Dolomite, though, and I've okay. still got to queue right. up. Dan and I are actually going to sit down for a Patreon series on EFG, and we're going to do PD Wheat Straw. I loved, I I legitimately mm-hmm. fell over myself laughing watching Dolomite. <laughs> yeah. Dolomite is great. Uh, so I'm, I'm really excited to check it out. I just haven't gotten a chance to yet. Yeah, Eddie Murphy's on another level in that, in that movie. So that's a good pick there, Dan. Uh, Mario in the Bar, love that guy. He's always giving feedback. He says Trumbo, starring Brian Cranston. I have not seen I heard good one. things about that, but I never got a chance to catch it, no. I didn't either. Let's see what we have here. So Julio, our buddy from The Contrarians, he's got Entourage, the movie. Have you seen that one? Nope. Have you seen Entourage? Well, you don't have HBO, I mean, right? uh, well, when I was married, you know, the, the former wife, she watched it and I kind of like absorbed some of it through osmosis, I guess, okay. but I never really right. paid much attention to it. Okay. And I'm he's familiar also got, with it. He's also got Living in Oblivion, Hail Caesar. Hail Caesar was great. Up. Fuck you, Paul. <laughs> yeah, Paul. Paul does not like Paul that one. Paul is not of. a fan. <laughs> Hail Caesar is a great movie. <laughs> Speaking of Paul, here's his three that he shouted out. Uh, Dolomite is my name, the disaster artist, and he says, fuck it, Scream 3. So I know you probably haven't seen that, have you? But uh, Scream no. 3, yeah, Scream 3 is another meta project. That's the that, one where they're was, making the Scream movie or the Stab yeah, movie, I guess it is, right? Stab, they're making the Stab sequel That's in right, the movie yep. Scream yep. 3. And it's really, like, there's just a lot of weird shit in Scream 3. It's definitely the black sheep of the Scream. Yep. Uh, f- franchise. It's but, only, uh, it's only in my head because I just listened to Tasteless and Emily did a comparison of it to some I, I forget what she recommended it over she recommended that instead of something else i can't remember <laughs> nice i love her nice. i adore her show oh me too she just came on and did sandra bullock movies with us a few weeks ago her and ashley so two of my favorite uh female podcasters came on and did sandra bullock movies which was a blast let's see uh the after movie diner has got sunset boulevard the player cinema paradiso boogie nights bowfinger ed wood and the bad and the beautiful some great ones there uh you a fan of sunset boulevard you seen never seen it the only one one i recognized in there was boogie nights yeah (laughs) well and ed wood you know that one Uh, through through you (laughs) through me yeah true um let's see how about word salad radio they said there's so many great documentaries about making movies which we didn't. I didn't do documentaries. I didn't I don't even know want to you, touch that because that's a whole different. Yeah. If you want to do top five documentaries about making movies, that's a completely different. It really is. Different. And they've got they've got some good ones here. I haven't seen them all, but they have Lost in La Mancha, Lost Soul, American Movie, The Death of Superman Lives, and Raiders. So they did really five documentaries there. Really? So. Yeah. Yeah. That, like I said, that's a completely different list, and I would be not equipped because I'm not a documentary person. So I would be ill equipped to to tackle that list. <laughs> So I know you're a fan of uh, one of these, so I just want to see what you think, because this is one of those that kind of toes the line, in my opinion, and I'm trying to remember it vividly enough to know if it would fit the brief, but be the solution on Twitter. I'll give you the other two first. They said Bowfinger, State, and Maine, and then they mentioned Argo. I think you're a fan of Affleck's Argo, right? Yep. Yeah, I loved it. Is that a movie about a movie, though? It's a movie about a fake movie. 
because they never technically yeah, make yeah, it. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's kind of one of those gray areas where you can sneak it in there because the whole impetus of them going to Iran is under the guise that they're a film production company making this movie right, that's a fake movie right. that they never actually make. So, right. I mean, like I said, if if you want to start fudging the lines, like, like we were super broad with some of our honorables, especially. You know, I mean, if, if you want to make an argument for like, well, even even me and Earl and the dying girl, like if you want to make an argument for that, you could easily make an argument for Argo as well. I would think great movie, yeah, though, agree. regardless. Great movie. I agree. Uh, Josh, just a geek. 1701 on Twitter says wag the dog. Zach and Miri make a porno. And this is Spinal Tap. Zach and Miri make a porno, man. <laughs> That's Kevin Smith, right? Yeah, it is. It's a good one. All right, so let's head over to the Facebook fan page. Guys, join up there if you have not already. The information is in the show notes. That is where I interact with our fans the most, as Mr. Nick will tell you. Let's see what these guys have to say over there. So Michael Hill's got a gif of Les Grossman from Tropic Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> the dance getting down to Flo Rida. Chris Yaney, a mutual patron of Love ours, I believe, guy. Nick. I do too. He's a good dude. Uh, he's got a couple that toe the line as well, but the other ones I'll mention first. He's got Singing in the Rain. Tropic Thunder, Be Kind Rewind, and then he's got the Be Blair Kind Witch Rewind Project. is so good. Oh, what yeah, a be great pull. Go. That's a good Oh, pull, what yeah. a good oh Yaney, you beautiful bastard. <laughs> yeah, oh, you. How did I forget about that one? That one would have probably been honorable for me. I don't know if it would have made it in, but Yeah, Be Kind And then he's got the Blair Witch Project, which I thought was interesting because they're making a documentary in it. So it does I think it would kind of fit the I think brief, it fits then, yeah. If they're, if, they're making, if they're making a movie in the movie, yeah, that definitely fits. Let's see. Jared Taylor, as you call Destruction in Human Form, yeah. has got Terror Terror Firmer, which I have not seen. I've heard of it and I know it's well yeah, revered, nope. but I have not seen it. Uh Tony Vandenbush wants to know if Ed Wood falls in the category. If so, that's her pick, obviously. I think I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Tony, yes, it does. Patrick Sherwood, love that guy, a patron of the show as well. He's got Ed Wood, the disaster artist, New Nightmare. And then he says, maybe Cabin in the Woods? Uh, I don't know. Did, I, did you see Cabin in the I Woods? I haven't seen did it, Joss- but I, it's not a... It, I, I don't... I, I know enough about mm, it to to kind of cock my head to the side know. and be like, really? I don't. I think maybe I think maybe they were more doing like a if anything maybe like a reality TV type thing as opposed to a movie. Yeah. Um, I fucking love that movie though. <laughs> it's one of my favorite yeah. horror comedies. Like I said, I, I, I'm definitely familiar with it, but I don't. I, I mean, I don't know, mm. Patrick. I don't know. I don't know. But hey, Patrick's a good dude. He can put whatever the hell it's he true. wants. It's his list. I, I'm behind it. Uh, Emily's got Tropic Thunder is so great. She just started laughing, thinking of scenes in her head. <laughs> she says, uh, Philip Brown, a new fan to the, to the page over there. Thank you, Philip. He's got cinema Paradiso, which is the second mention for that one. And then he's got a couple that we haven't, or actually three, we haven't mentioned adaptation with Nicholas Cage. Did you ever see that nope. where he plays like his twin brothers or whatever? Yep. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Though, I know what you are. I know. I know all that. Yeah, okay. Okay. And then he's got life aquatic, which is the Wes Anderson film. With I Bill also Murray. know of it. <laughs> he's got uh, <laughs> he's got Son of Rambo, which I think is a documentary about a, about kids making a remake of Rambo, like a like a kid version of Rambo with Sly Stallone. I think I haven't seen it, but I, I that one always sounds like me sounds basically. like it'd be up Justin's alley. <laughs> yeah, and then he's got Inglorious Bastards, which we already kind yep. of touched on. Josh Schaefer says matinee, which is a good one. Uh, Matt Lewinsky, love that guy. He's always giving feedback. He's got a few we haven't mentioned. He's got Entity Entourage. Jay and Silent Bob and Spinal Tap. 
Jane Silent Bob Strike Back is actually that honest, honest to God, I would have bumped Boogie Nights for Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. I just didn't think of it. I didn't yeah, think of it true. when I was when I was going through and I was I was doing my research. Of course, I also didn't prepare my list like ahead of time, like I probably should have. <laughs> you know, no, you're good, man. You're but good. You had a you had a killer I'm, list. I've just got I've I've got so much to do all the time. But uh, yeah, no, Jane Silent Bob. Honest to God, I would have bumped Boogie Nights for that if I would have remembered it. I adore that movie. Reboot can get fucked. But yeah, that was Jane such Silent a Bob Strike Back man. is an amazing movie. I love that movie. So Amanda, a good friend of the show from Picture Show Go Go, she's been on the show countless times, even more than you, Nick. <laughs> but she a says lot of people have been on more than to me. Sh- she wanted to shout out. Well, yeah, that's true. She wanted to shout out ones that people haven't mentioned yet. So here's some that we haven't talked about yet. She's got Hugo, which was the Scorsese picture from like seven or eight years I ago. I also know Hugo. Of it. Uh, all right, fair enough. Uh, Sunset Boulevard, A Star is Born from 1954, which is the Judy Garland version, I believe. Yeah, that was the only one of them that wasn't about a singer, right? Because that one, they I changed so, it to make yeah. it about an actor or whatever, right, I think. Right, actors. Yep. Yeah. Uh, America's Sweethearts, and then uh, I don't even, Truffaut? I don't know what that is, but she says it's a Hitchcock Truffaut. Do you know Truffaut? T R U F F A U T, if I'm saying that right. Yeah, nope. Mm-hmm. All right, I don't either. All right, and then we'll we'll wrap up on Ashley from Rabbit Ears because we love her. She's always giving great the feedback. The Bubby. So she, the Bubby uh, is eye to eye with us for the most part. She's got Singing in the Rain, La La Land, and The Artist. A there very solid trio to wrap up on. Thank you so much, Ashley. And thank you to everyone else for the feedback this week in the old suggestion box. Nick, I love you, brother. Uh, you know, you know you're I love on you, the, you're on the epic film guys but you are an epic dude and uh you know we're friends now in real life so you can't escape me so <laughs> uh, i know where you fucking live dude so it's over damn it but but not everyone else knows you as well as i do so why don't you tell them where they can find you and justin and loy sauce and whatever you want to point them to over there man just search for epic film guys i mean it's we've been doing it for five years now just you know find us we're branching out and we're doing more stuff on on youtube and we're doing more stuff on twitch so so find us there if you want the cutting edge of vfg i guess but uh you know just search for epic film guys we're literally everywhere on the web and we've got like hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of episodes in the backlog as you said earlier the canon quarantine series has been a lot of fun it's it's been crazy to go and, and revisit just the absolute dumpster fires of dumpster fires of movies and really, I think we're pulling a lot of good and a lot of fun discussion out of out of out of those films. So yeah, yeah, that's it. Search for Epic Film, guys. Yeah. You'll find us. Gerald, thank you always. I love you, and we always make fun of each other. We always get it, get get at each other and yeah. and everything. But we do sure, it because yeah. we love each other. And and you know, I, I love you, and I, I really right. really appreciate it whenever you have me on the show. I'm always happy to be here. That's right, man. And I was just going to tell the listeners to look them up, guys. I mean, they are uh, especially if you're a movie fan of like. Not necessarily current stuff even, but when the current stuff comes back after COVID, for sure, because those guys really dive in deep. Lloyd Sauce is great. Justin's great. Obviously, I'm talking to Nick. He's amazing. But they just got a good thing going over there. And, you know, I don't know if you know, Nick, but, I mean, you got – I don't want to mention any other names because I don't want anybody to get butt hurt. But, I mean, a handful of podcasts that I still listen to, you know, four or five years later, and you guys are one of them. You you know, you were one of the first indie shows – uh, that I got into and that really made me want to kind of take the podcasting thing seriously. So, you know, not to be too, too uh, sentimental, but I mean, you know, the Epic Film guys are an inspiration. You guys are great. Oh, you, you, oh God. Okay. I just put it on. You, I, you put on a great I hit show, the top man, of the so mountain. Yeah. You, did I get you there? You got, did I get you there? You got me there, baby. All right, cool. Woo, I was trying to do that remotely, man. It's tough to do remotely. <laughs> it was so much easier uh, when you were here. <laughs> I know. Goddamn. 
All right. Well, uh, you know, maybe next year I'll do it again in person. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Look, uh, look up the. <laughs> Look up the Epic Film Guys, guys. Check out the show notes for all their information. Of course, I'm Gerald with two Ps, and all of our information is there as well. We will be back next week with another countdown and another P on the pod. Nick, take care, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Peace. Thank you for listening. Two Peas is an independent podcast. We rely on donations from our executive producers in order to release new content weekly. Please check the show notes for a current list of all of our executive producers. If you would like to join them to help us continue to release great content, please visit Two Peas on a Pod at patreon.com or check out the show notes for this episode. Again, we sincerely thank you for listening.